I owe them my life, you know, like I, I want to build, it's like, it's my way of starting like my own Taj Mahal for what they have done. Like just that love, I mean, just simply existing, you know, I mean, they, it was, but just, just being there and just showing, just demonstrating that love, like that's what, that's what kept me. Guys, that was me speaking to Tiffany Vernia, who is inside our community of the 1% at capitalism.com. We are so happy to bring Tiffany on the show. She's our first episode and the first one to sort of be courageous and tell us her story of when she came close to suicide on two accounts. So Tony and I are still figuring out how we are going to do this podcast alongside building our individual brands, but we've seen and we understand and we recognize how much this is needed for for everyone to just speak about their emotions and depression anxiety is just one of them amongst many that we experience on this journey of entrepreneurship our goal of this podcast is to help people feel better by listening to other people's stories and i think this ultimately helps us recognize daily that we're not alone in our journeys and that everyone experiences depression and anxiety a different way in a very unique way we want you to know that depression anxiety all these feelings are very real and very human emotions it's very normal to feel this way and we can still be triggered by them years after an event has happened and we believe that by talking about it speaking to others who can relate can help us heal faster feel better and eventually use that as an asset that helps us to find why it is that we are unique so we are welcoming Tiffany Vernia as our first episode on this show and she shares her story of how her cats were actually the ones who saved her life on the second occasion being close to considering suicide. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Tiffany's story. Well, I guess in the I mean to start as far as my my memory where it um where that all where that all began was as um, as a little kid, I was um, I was abused by my uncle and my sister. I was three, four years old, and my sister is eighteen months younger than me. And what I learned through that experience was that I could use my physicality to protect her. That so long as I was around, so long as I was there, I was a bit. She was never going to be victimized it was nothing was ever going to happen to her so I became my sister's keeper it became my responsibility to protect her to keep her safe and in a very real way like that was very true in that situation but what that situation taught me was that I could change a situation I could stop suffering I could stop pain I could stop all of this with my physicality that it it was my personal responsibility that i could end suffering with myself with my own go leo um you can get it get you can get it um that with my own with my own self that i was responsible for stopping suffering and then uh, fast forward the the first time where I was really um, where I was suicidal like as a teenager was when it dawned on me that I couldn't protect my sister and then my baby brother from other situations that were going on in the house at that time like it was so I I had taken on the role of 
you know, cooking dinner, making sure that all the stuff was, everything in the house was, um, was clean, that they were getting their homework done, that stuff was being taken care of. Again, it was, um, you know, it was my job to do those things. So my physicality, my presence was making a difference at some level, but then all the other stuff going around, all the other emotional things, stuff like that, I really, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't solve that. I couldn't be mom. My little brother called me mom, but that just set off more of it. That just set off a whole other chain of issues and everything. So I realized that I, I took away from that was that I wasn't enough, that mm -hmm. I couldn't stop it. Like I was powerless. I was helpless. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, I drink the whole like bottles of my chemistry teacher. I got into the chemistry cabinet at school and got in a whole bunch of stuff or whatever. And the doctors were kind of surprised that I had survived that one, but it obviously wasn't my time. So then, you know, I go in the military. I wanted to be in since I was nine years old, wanted to fly a plane. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to fly the blue angels too short, passed out all the time, couldn't sustain nine G's. So then I was in the art, I went in the army instead. Um, and what through all of that, you know, um, medical discharge, a lot of vaccine injury, the whole thing. And then I go become a contractor in Iraq. And then I go to Guantanamo and then I go back to Iraq and that fast forward to like 2009 or 2000, 2008. And I was there doing things I was not, once again, doing things that I was not proud of, things that I was like not, um, had never really wanted to do, but that I was taking care of my sister and her family and a, a Rocky refugee and her baby son. I had them all living in a house. I was taking care of everything for them. And it was my responsibility to take care of them. It was my responsibility to provide for them. So I had to stay where I was. But what I saw and what I participated in and what I, things going on around me, a lot of, you know, the younger medics, stuff like that, committing suicide and everything because of all that. It was just, we were in, I was, this was my third prison camp at this point. And, you know, and this time it wasn't just adults, um, adult males, there were also women and there were also younger children, some of whom were like younger than my baby brother at the time. And, and I was the interpreter. So it was, so what all of my other co-workers, they just saw bodies coming in and out and they were, you know, I was taking in all the information because I was the interpreter. It was all being recorded, like voice recorded and all this stuff. And it was my job to elicit certain information from them. But what it was do, like taking all of this in, like my whole idea of humanity was just crushed, just totally crushed. Like I, could not believe that human beings like we're, we're doing this to each other. Like we're humans. This boy is 12 years old and had gotten run over by a Humvee by one of our own guys. And because they were trying to round up yet another group of guys, of kids named Muhammad and which half of that area was like named as such. So they just, this kid was trying to get away. So they ran him over. So he was there in front of me with like all these, bags like he died like the next day but it was my job to try to talk to this kid you know 12 years old because of some 
crime that had taken place. We're in the middle of a war. And so fast forward, I, I leave that situation after a year and I just like, that was, I mean, I don't know. There was no words to, I try to go back to normal life and my family's like, oh, you know, you made all this money for us. Okay, great. You know, they went their separate ways, did their thing. And here I am left with all of this. What the hell do I do now? Like, what do I do with this? This was like, how do I go on through daily life when I know that these things, you know, these, these, this, this, these atrocities are still happening. And so then I wind up, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'll go to, um, I'll try to escape myself by going to art school in San Francisco. Like, oh, I'll just get a master's degree. I'll go here and I'll, you know, go to art school and everything will be great and wonderful. Well, that, that didn't last for very long. And a friend of mine was going through a situation in Georgia and um, with her soon-to-be ex-husband, and mm-hmm. so she she was like, "Well, come stay in my garage, and we can be best friends again." So I, with my five cats and my Doberman, went to her garage. So this is where the whole thing was set. Like this is my cats had always been with me. My cats went with me to Guantanamo. That I was able to bring my cats to to a prison camp. Yes. Um, my cats have always, you know, were, were with me and she's allergic. So they had to stay in her garage and I was living with her. Um, I, she wanted me to stay in the house with her to help her with the fighting with her husband. She had three small kids. I couldn't, I could not do that, but emotionally, like I was just so numb at this point, I was staying in the garage with my cats and this was in Georgia in the summertime not pleasant um and her dog she had two dogs and they were full of fleas so then my cats like everything it was just so by this point everything was building and building and building and i'm like okay that's it like what else what is there like here now i'm stuck in this garage my car you know i'm not working so how i can't fill up my car with gas to get anywhere to go anywhere to find a job you know my my doberman was being boarded at a animal hoarder's house essentially that my friend had told me that he had to go to because her husband was terrified of Dobermans. So my dog was stuck in this hellhole um, with this crazy woman and I'm in the garage within this awful living situation with my, with my five cats. And well, through that situation, they became the um, brother the one who was not neutered got his sisters pregnant and then the sisters had babies. And this is where at at this point it was just like, okay, my life is done. Like there's nothing I can contribute. I'm stuck. I'm, you know, humanity lost all faith in humanity. My family was nowhere to be found because I wasn't making money anymore. So it was just like the dark night of the soul was turning into months. And I was not prepared. I was not prepared at that time to deal with myself versus like my emotions from dealing with the reality of the situations that I had been in over and over again with these different prison camps. It was just all coming up. It was just nightmares and all of these things. I'm like, I, this is it. There's, there's no, 
um, you know, I'm, I'm done with, I'm done with people. I'm done with life. I'm done. I can't, I can't make sense out of any of this. I can't, what, what is going on? You know, when, when I was in the army, it was like, oh, you know, save, you know, saving America, you know, the post 9-11 hoopla and all this stuff. And it was just all of this patriotism slash nationalism stuff. And it was all supposed to be great and wonderful. But in reality, it was like, but we're all human. So what are we doing? Like, what, what, what is this? What is this about? What is this for? I couldn't make sense out of any of it. And there was one night I kept visualizing myself. There was a bridge um, going off into the river where people used to dump a lot of dogs. Um, especially there were a couple of breeders in the area that when their dogs were done being bred, they just left them off in the river or tie them up in bags and throw them in the river. Right. And that's what I was thinking. That's, I kept visualizing myself going down that place. And in, in one of those moments, I'm just sitting there like numb, staring at my computer screen or whatever. And my, my laptop in the garage on the floor on a, a blanket, like please, like it was just, it was just an awful mess. And I looked down and my little gray cat, Diego, was there with both sets of his babies. There were, there, were, there were six of them, and they were a month apart. The babies were a month apart. So one set of babies was maybe about five weeks old. The other one had just been, you know, not even really walking. But he had put them, somehow or another, he had got them beside me, and he was sitting there right next to me, and he was cleaning each one of them and they were laying on top of him. And I have that picture and I, I just, I was so stunned. Like I just, it was like the moment it was just, my brain just exploded and I could not stop crying. Like I, I cried for like hours and that song, um, that, um, not R.E.M., but it was the, um, the song, the, the world, it was the song, like, the world I know. And that song came on in that moment. And it was a very poignant song because the guy was contemplating suicide. You know, and he walked up, you know, like, walked up on high, looked at the edge to see my world below, you know. And he was, like, in this space. And it was just, like, you know, and this came on right as Diego was, like, cleaning. He was taking care of his baby. And... Again, I don't know how he could get him there because the three little ones couldn't walk and the moms were somewhere like, I don't know how he did that, but somehow they were all there. And, and I'm like, it was just like, holy shit, like unconditional love. It does exist. Like it's right here, right in front, like right beside my lap. Like it's right here on the ground, like right in front of me. And in that moment, it was like, well, who am I to end this? Like, who am I to take this away from him? Like, he's their father. He loves them. He's taking their, their dad. Like, their moms were, I mean, the, the dad. You know, people don't think about that in terms of cats, but it's like they're, you know, there are paternal instincts too. And this was, I mean, he had all of his kids and each one he was giving time and attention to in this way, like, just loving on them. And I'm like, who, who am I to end that? 
And then I started thinking even more, well, if it exists in him, if it exists here in this family, then maybe possibly it could exist somewhere else. Even though I don't, I don't see evidence. Like at the time I was so shut down. I'm like, I don't see evidence of it in humans, but these cats and these babies right here, right now, this is such a profound thing that's happening. And like, I can't, but if I take myself away, these cats are going to get divided up and sold off. And, you know, I already had people at the hoarder's house or whatever, the hoarder lady, she saw pictures of them and she wanted to buy them from me because she knew that they would make money for her rescue. Mm -hmm. So I had already, it was already a thing of like, oh, well, these babies, you know, like they would all just be picked off. Like I could just be done with, you know, bury me, be done. And they would make, they would make decent money off these cats. So it was like, hey, you know, I realized like, no, I, I have to protect them. In that moment, like, I can't, I can't stop the world from suffering. I can't stop the, I can't use my physicality, my body to stop the pain and the suffering and the explosions and the injustice and all this stuff that I had been a part of. I can't stop that. But right here, right now, I can keep, them together That's you know beautiful. i can i can i can stop this from ending up in suffering i can do this mm -hmm. so from there started the the climb forward the the trajectory forward in that moment of like realizing that oh my god it is possible like unconditional love is possible so that's why i say that they you know and that and, and that kind of, that is what has been fueling me ever since, you know, mm -hmm. to like, I have to, I have to share this. Like I have yes. to share, like, this is not, they're not just creatures that exist by like, sitting on our desks and that we just, you know, take to the bed every now and then. I mean, these are like, these are sentient beings with active emotions, just like ours. And, and they express it in ways different, but it's so, it was such a visceral moment for me that I, I, I'm like, I, oh, like, I wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be all those crappy, everything that led up into that moment. Like, these cats saved your life. <laughs> these cats saved your life. And I, I love that it's taken me, I guess, a second call you to see this dimension because I didn't, I guess, understand this part in our first call because I was seeing the whole, like, um, in our first call, I was seeing how much of a resource you could be for everyone else who needs to, um, I guess, see their let cats be cats was like your motto, right? And seeing them as humans too because they also need, they also need light. They also need um, a place to play and not just be inside all day. But now that you told me the story and thank you for sharing that with me, um, I was just thinking how your book can save the unconditional love that cats have for their family. And in doing that, you can save people's lives too. Can you, can you say that you can save other people's lives through their unconditional love with their pets? I think so. And that's so beautiful. Like, and this is, this is so lovely. And I think, People need to have that time with you in your journey to become really strongly connected to 
to what you're building. I think it's, it's really beautiful. <laughs> and I'm so grateful to, to be like witnessing your story too and like listening to you and that you're here today and I get to listen to this. Thank you for being here. I just, I mean, I, again, it, it was like when you all were, were talking about these ideas and, and bringing value to other, I hadn't really like thought about the value of my own, you know, it's just because that part I've shared other aspects of my journey. I've shared other yeah, parts yeah. and things and it's, um, but that, like, I've kept that very, like, tightly, I've kept that very tightly under wraps. Like, that is yeah. one that I just have not. It's been in a treasure chest. <laughs> yes, I just have not shared because it was such a total collapse of everything in my world. Yeah. Such a complete and total collapse. And then it, it's that I just was kind of hard to put into words without the mm -hmm. other context, you know, yeah. without all the other, but it's like, this is my devotion. Like, this is yeah. what I have to do. That's why I said, even if I'm 90 years old, mm -hmm. I have this book out of me, you know, it's not, whether yeah. it sells one copy or a million, I don't care, but I have to get it because it's a testament. It's like, it's a testament to them just as much as it is to me. Like it is the story, this, like, I, I, like, I owe them my life, you know, like I, I want to build, it's like, it's my way of starting like my own Taj Mahal for what they have done. Like just that love, I mean, just simply existing, you know, I mean, they, it was, but just, just being there and just showing, just demonstrating yeah. that love, like, that's what, that's what kept me. It was like, mm. I, this is something like, if it can exist in one if it can, can exist in one family, then maybe it's possible that it can exist elsewhere. Yeah. You know, that just that one thought, just that one spark of hope yes. was what, you know, is what changed it, is what, what changed, like, that that flip, that switch flipped off, you know, and mm -hmm. every time I get back to close to feeling those feelings, that, that song comes on. And Diego has gone. He's long since he was killed by coyotes a few years mm -hmm. late. Like it was, but that song, when I get close, when I get teetering to the edge of those emotions again, mm -hmm. that like out of nowhere, that song will drop. That's and beautiful. it's, you know, at the grocery store. Yeah. If it needs to like where, but it, it'll drop. Guys, if you relate to Tiffany's story, please feel free to reach out to her, find her and send her a message. Let her know that we're all in this together. She already knows it, but I'm sure she will appreciate it as well. What I loved about this conversation with Tiffany is that we came up with the idea of this treasure chest and she's finally ready to open this treasure chest. It's just been in her, I guess, belonging for the longest time and she's ready to share it with the world and she's ready, ready to help everyone else find their own treasure chest through the love she has for her cats. If you liked this episode, please let us know. We would love your feedback. You can reach out to me uh, or Tony. Our details will be in the show description or the show notes somewhere there. But you can also uh, reach out to us directly in the community in the 1%. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We look forward to publishing the next one next week and heading to 2023 feeling better. 
Have a great day, guys. From me and Tony, and just remember your story makes you unique.